from a bunker in beautiful Parkchester, the Bronx, it's electoral dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Tom Brennan. Hey everyone, welcome to a special bonus episode of Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news of the week from the safety of the quarantines. Hey, I'm your host, Tom Brennan, as quick as I can. Quicker than the U.S.'s war with Afghanistan. Transition, pretty good. Uh, this week, the President of the United States announced uh, that we will be ending America's longest war. I was thinking about this. The war in Afghanistan started when I was a freshman in college, and now I'm an adult, and I'm old, and thanks to Peacock, I am watching the exact same seasons of Monday Night Raw that I was watching back then, but time has passed. Uh, so this week, our pal Benari Poulton, who has served our country in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and in Guantanamo, Guantanamo uh, <laughs> the lucky three, as we call them, uh, talked a little bit about America's Longest War, and it's a wonderful conversation. So what you're about to hear is Benari Poulton, Madiba Denny, Andrea Duffy, and Robert George talking about the end of the longest war. Ned Thorne, start with us to the bonus episode. I want to talk about one last thing. Uh, and Benari Fulton, I want you to, to I'm, I'm going to go to you on this. This week, the President of the United States, who as of this recording is Joe Biden, um, uh, committed to Robinette Biden. ending the Junior. longest war in America. <laughs> America's Junior. longest war. More presidents have been, like, more presidents of my lifetime have presided over the war in Afghanistan than did this. Uh, 20 years young, the Afghanistan war will come to an end, in theory, this year. Many times there's been a promise of things coming to an end. In fact, both Trump uh, and Biden, you know, agreed on this in the campaign trail in terms of ending. And Obama set drawdown goals too. Yeah, Obama set drawdown goals and uh, fortunately uh, didn't work out. (laughs) Um, uh, So this war, which you, you served in, uh, will come to an end uh, in, you know, in theory uh, this year. And we say in theory, because anything can happen in global affairs, but Joe Biden has been pushing for uh, this since since the Obama administration, since his years there, this is something that is a very important mission. And what do you, what do you think of the the end of the Afghanistan war? I mean, it's about time. Uh, it's you know, look, the, your the, hours get cut over this, or the <laughs> there's an unfortunate problem that happens when you have uh, less than one percent of the population of a country that actually does the war part. <laughs> of the country, on behalf of the country. And the fact is, less than 1% of the American population serves in the the United States Armed Forces. Our military makes up less than 1%. I think, including veterans of of all the wars, it's maybe around 3%. Um, And this this causes a great disconnect. And I think when we, when we, post 9-11, when we went to war, uh, at the beginning of Operation During Freedom, instead of a call to service and a call to, um, to action, we were, we were told we could go to war and we could go to the mall. Mm-hmm. And so the country itself never really felt the full weight and impact of a decision as serious as going to war. Yeah. And then a year later, we went to another war while simultaneously fighting a war in Afghanistan and Iraq. That war there was a surge, there was a drawdown, that war ended, then a new war popped up against ISIS in that area. 
more troops went back to support that war. All the while, this war in Afghanistan was going on. And you have people, you have, you have kids now, 1920, who are serving there, who were either a baby or weren't even born when 9-11 happened. And it's not supposed to happen that way. And I think one of the things we're seeing is we don't, the check on, on forever wars used to be the draft. The, the check and balance on that was that if you go to war, if you make the monumental decision to engage in a, in a conflict, in an armed conflict, with another country or other countries, there's got to be a mechanism in place that, that says, hey, hey, I think we've done this long enough. And we remove that. And maybe it was for good reasons, but that no longer is there. So we've proven we can fight a war, quote unquote, on the cheap, trillions of dollars later, and, and lives and injuries and, and all of that. And so I think now that it's coming to an end, I think we need to truly reevaluate how we, uh, what are, not only our standing in the world, but, but you know, what, what are our priorities? What are our goals? When we declare, you know, after 20, I deployed in 2011. I was, I was on a plane back from my, uh, my MOB uh, orientation, my pre-MOB, uh, pre-mobilization, to get ready to deploy when we killed bin Laden. Wow. And then I went to Afghanistan and served a year. In a war who, like, I think we are quick <laughs> yeah. to forget the basis of the war in Afghanistan, which was a, you know, if you want to call, it's hard to use the word fair when regards to war, but like was a fair police action of the, the guy who launched the largest terror attack on the United States in history but, was there you, and they would not give him up. So I think one thing that, that uh, President Biden was very clear about was that, look, we had, we had the goal of, of rooting out these terrorism, uh, disrupting their base of operations and killing bin Laden. We accomplished that years ago. A decade ago. <laughs> you know, so what else, is, what else is there to do? And it's hard to make that call because, you know, you put the money, you put the resources, you put the manpower, you, you, you don't want to say that, the, you don't want to tell troops that, hey, the last 10 years of your service was really you know, you really didn't need to do that. Yeah. Sorry, but, but someone's <laughs> got to do it. Because now it's about nation building. <laughs> well, well, it's been, it's, and it's been nation building, it's been nation building for um, 11 or 12 years. I mean, I think we, I think we had the, um, uh, I think we had the first election in Afghanistan in 2000 and, I think, it, I think the, the, the election, the first election in Afghanistan, I think was before, um, was before Bush left office, so that I think it was been, in 05 or 06. I think it was yeah, exactly. In that so, frame. so yeah. that was 15. So that was you know that was at least 50, at least 15 in 15 years ago. Um, I was struck. I mean, by uh, you know, when President Biden said, um, you know, um, I'm the I'm the fourth president. Uh, I'm the fourth president to have to oversee uh, U.S. troops in Afghanistan. I don't want to be the fifth. What, what he said there was absolutely accurate, but he he actually he he slightly in a way kind of underestimated um, our um, the, the connection or the hold that yeah. Afghanistan has on us because uh, he forgot that um, that Bill Clinton actually you know launched missiles into Afghanistan while the, um, to, while, to the while the impeachment was going on because he was trying to get um, he was trying bin to Laden. get um, um, bin um, uh, bin Laden um, for, for the coal for the these US other coal. for these for these 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 the pre 9 11 um, uh, what 
It was the bombing of the USS Cole. No, it wasn't the bombing of the USS Cole. The, the, the bombing of the USS Cole was 2000. And those, the, sh the, the, the launches of the missiles. Oh, were, no, no, you're were, right, you're right. There is that. And then, but I'm so, saying, but, but, prior, but, but leading up to that, but, even but during Bin Laden, that, was Bin Laden like, yeah, had yeah. been launching attacks on, 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 mm -hmm. U, on US soldiers um, and, 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 and US um, military targets um, for years uh, before 9-11. Before so, I mean, this, this hold that this country has had on, on, on U.S. resources um, is, um, is, is, arguably be, is arguably in its third decade, not just its second, not just its, um, not just its second decade. So, um, yeah, and, and to give, you know, to give the last, to give the last guy some credit, um, you know, Trump tried to start the, 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 the he, he tried giving a, a May 1st um, of 2021 date certain to try and get us, you know, to try and get us out there. There And there is, the, it, 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 there's this inertia against, you know, once you're committed in there to completely pull out, and it can be a bipartisan, it can be a bipartisan in, in, in inertia. I mean, the, the usual suspects on the right, you know, your Lindsey Grahams and your types like that said, oh no, we can't leave. I mean, they, they, Graham said that to Trump and he said, that, he's saying that to Biden as well. But because of the way politics works, there were even some Democrats uh, who because, were telling because no one thinks twice about cutting a check for the war, and this mm -hmm. is this is the reality. You know, when it comes to defense spending, we can talk about what we spend it on, and what we spend it on aren't necessarily the troops on the ground or the troops you know here at home. We're, we're spending it on our contracts. We're spending you know, and and no one blinks, and you know, billions of dollars get just shipped overseas. As Eisenhower, Eisenhower military the industrial, military industrial complex. complex. And it's been that way. And a lot of people are reticent to, to pull the plug on that because that means also that the money train is stopping and you got to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to find your funding yeah. some other way. Run, yeah. No, not lost on me that some of these Democrats who are criticizing it are also running for Senate next year. <laughs> um, but uh, all I, those but unemployed I, contractors, yeah, unemployed looks, Blackwater oh, guys. Look, but I do, do want to say that the, the one thing, uh, one other They've thing. They've got a really specific Learn to code. Yes. <laughs> that they don't need in New Hampshire. <laughs> one thing that, um, one, one thing that, um, one other thing that Biden said that really struck me was that in the last uh, 40 years, he's the first president to have a son or daughter uh, serve in the war that they, that he was, you know, that he, that he was, uh, as vice president, he was overseeing. I was in Iraq at the same time Bo Biden was deployed there. Um, and it was, again, very eye-opening that this is the first time that the son or daughter of someone who was in a decision-making uh, position had, you know, in that, in that seat of power, had some skin in the game, had, had, real, had real consequences for the decision they were making. And I don't think that uh, President Biden took any of this the, the, lightly. The, the, the word is pronounced scion, actually, as in son. <laughs> Uh, uh, I want to get get other other voices in. Mediva, your thoughts on on the end of America's longest war? Yeah, I mean, it's truly absurd that it's gone on as long as it as it has. Like when I think back about like, the beginnings of this, they just think about all of the changes in like my life at that time. Just like wow, I was like a child when this happened, and like only now, like decades later, is like any sort of change like hopefully going to be made. And uh, Benar, you're obviously the expert on this, but I was thinking uh, something similar to what you were <laughs> the face. Uh, something similar to what you were saying in terms of like uh, one uh, pulling pulling out would have had to mean 
admitting you were wrong in a sense. Like you have to sort of like, oh, I made this decision and now that decision needs to be justified. So we have to stay because I said to go in. Uh, it's a cost fallacy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's the other cost in that like there's a lot of money to be made from it. Um, so like, yeah, so I just wanted to ask you, like, how much of it do you think is just sort of, I can continue lying in my pockets if I keep sending off these, uh, often people without other options, uh, to like, who like join the military as an out, like overseas to die. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on the people without options because, um, a lot of people I served with signed up after, uh, 9-11, they, you know, and, and we have an all volunteer army. Um, which is, which is, uh, you know, being on at, at a time when we were at two wars at one time, that was kind of a recruitment issue. Uh, so, uh, but so, so there was a, there was thinking that anyone who was there wanted to be there. So they removed, they removed the people without options sort of argument right off the bat because it's a volunteer army. Now, no one had to be there who didn't want to be there. Um, you knew what you were getting into sort of thing. Um, but, but secondly, I think the money issue is of primary importance. I think that it's very easy to say, okay, we're bringing it to an end. And then you get into, well, how do we bring it to an end? And then it gets into, okay, well, now we have people there. It's not fair to them. So we'll ne let the next rotation come in and then they'll do the drawdown. And then now you have two rotations later and everyone's doing year long deployments. And next thing you know, it, you know, I, th I think uh, it's, it's, there's a, there's a complacency that happens. And suddenly the thinking becomes, it's not about going in in the first place. It's about, well, we've, we've always been at war with East Asia or we've always been at war with Eurasia. But that mentality is so powerful because it's like, well, we've always been at war with Afghanistan. What do you mean Afghanistan war yeah. is going away? That, that, was, that was a gimme. A little bit connected to what we were talking <laughs> I'm thinking a little bit sort of connected to what we were talking about previously with like Derek Chauvin and reimagining policing. We need to think about like what is the role and purpose of like police uh, within the country, but also like what is the role and purpose of the United States acting as sort of like a global police. Just like what are we really trying to accomplish? And like when we think about what our goal is, like what's the actual way to achieve that goal? Like, how do we actually achieve safety? Because this doesn't really seem to be doing that. Well, and I, I, I can actually, you know, the, the, the primary goal of the United States military is to fight and win America's wars. Once that's accomplished, once that goal is accomplished, you then shift to a, a combination of it's a diplomatic mission and a support mission where you are supporting the host country in um, the rebuilding process, you know, you break it, you buy it sort of policy, uh, but also in um, setting the conditions so that it's not only safe for U.S. troops to leave and coalition partners to leave, but uh, so that you don't uh, just uh, leave, a, leave a smoking crater behind so that the same, whatever led to the war in the first place just happens again. You want to kind of leave your little part of the world better than you found it. And Unfortunately, um, the nation building thing, which George W. Bush famously said that he was, he, he didn't want uh, America to be the world's police. He didn't want to be engaged in nation building missions. You know, that's, that's what we pivoted to. And, and I think we became used to, hey, we're, we're you know, so a lot of the missions were providing security for our own forces that were there because they were targets because they were there. 
And so it became this sort of cyclical um, self-fulfilling prophecy over there of like, well, if you put troops in harm's way, there's gonna be harm that comes their way. And, and I, so yes, that we need to rethink what, what is that? There needs to be a clear exit plan. There there's needs a, to be a, a clear exit plan. There's, there's also, Bernardo, there's some, something you, you said um, uh, earlier on that, that, kind of, that kind of struck with me, and it kind of ties in with our, you know, our first topic when we were, we were talking about the pandemic and, vac and, and vaccines. Um, the, the, same, um, the same number or the same percentage of the public that is actually in the armed forces and is bearing so much of the brunt of, of, of the, the wars, it's the same percentage of, 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 of uh, people who actually are, get, get uh, seriously infected and die um, from, from COVID. It's, a, it's 1%. So when you have that low, uh, that when, that, when you have that low figure, low, low, low figure, um, it is um, very difficult to get a uh, the, the other ninety nine percent to care and to invest, um, it, 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 even though when in a, in a country in a in a, in a country of um, 350 percent um, fatality is still a high damn is still a high damn number is still a high damn number. Um, if it's even if there's only one percent of the the, the of the, the public that's in the military or, or, and or, and or and has family in the military and 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 so forth that's still a significant number but if the other 99 percent if it's not if the war isn't affecting the the other 99 percent and if the pandemic isn't affecting in terms of a physical fear uh, uh, um, it's easy for them to say not my problem why should I, you know, why should I worry about it? And it becomes that harder for the elected, elected leadership to convince that 99%, well, this is why it's important. This is why we need to make a decision here. This is why we, make, we need to make a decision there. And, and before you, the next thing you know, you've got 550,000 50, dead because of a pandemic. Um, because you can't get enough people to uh, follow the rules long enough to try and get the infection rate down. And the next thing you know, oh, wait, 20 years and we're still at war in Afghanistan? How did that happen? But it, there's also no incentive for them to have to explain it. I mean, there just is no incentive because if you're, if you're talking about 1% of the population, you can, uh, you know, the, the, the scary precedent that we should be concerned about is, okay, well, by executive order, even without Congress, we can it's not a war, it's a conflict, or we're engaged. And, and when we start piecemealing together these little uh, mini excursions into foreign policy uh, via the military, um, you know, we, we, we have the majority of the population of the country unaware of what we are doing in the world. With, without any connection, we're completely untethered from what we uh, what should bring us together or should be our common interests. And when you remove the common interest factor from America's military, we should be very wary about who's then <laughs> calling the shots about what we do with that military. We do have a common interest factor, though, that we always forget. We are all paying for it. 
That is tax well, dollars. Yes, the military dollars. does not sell lemonade or gr- cookies to raise money for the war. And I can't believe the failure of yeah. all of uh, anti-war people not just going out and saying, we're paying trillions of dollars. I don't know if it goes back to 9-11 where it became like, if you don't throw money at the military, you don't support the troops, you're not a true American. But I, I don't know, that's like gotta be the easiest way. And me as, you know, I'm a political expert strategist. Um, how, how did we not have a war? How did we not have a war tax? I mean, right. again, the, the last time we were at major war, corporations not only paid their fair share, they paid more. And you can bet your ass that they were very influential in bringing um, wars that were unpopular to an end because they're like, I'm tired of fucking paying for this. But I tell you, I like, asked by single war bond. <laughs> and that I would have liked, it would have been nice to have been asked, you know? Captain America poster saying, buy war bonds, yeah, I'm done. in. Change my mind, you know? Yeah. Victory garden. Yeah, all yes. uh, yes. on board. No, but I think in an underrated thing about this, why is this happening now, you know? We just had an election where both of the presidential candidates, you know, maybe Trump ran, you know, Trump got his nomination in 2016 for a number of vile, hateful reasons. But he also found that a lot of his supporters also were like, why am I paying for this war? Yeah. Uh, and Biden, you know, it might not have been the front of his policy, but he adopted a lot of Sanders policies. And, and one of them was drawing down this war. Uh, you know, it is in the political mind that now the, the idea of drawing down the war now, of course, uh, where where things will get tricky will be the you know like and where I'm sure people will play their next games of political chess will be like great I mean if we're not doing this war anymore we could cut all this useless spending over here but we're just going to cut all these troops in this district in Nor- in New Hampshire or North Carolina and then unless or I guess we could keep it if you vote for this thing you know or we'll find another place to send them yeah exactly yeah <laughs> keep building tanks and just park them in the desert. Uh, yeah, look, Brazil looks like it's <laughs> like it's asking for it, man. It just that yeah. is, you know, I that do. is one thing I fear as we draw down in Afghanistan that this apparatus that's making a lot of money will find another way to make itself all of this money. Yeah. I just and hope I'm it's very like a, afraid that it will pick China because I don't think we win that one. We do not <laughs> look. I just hope it's like a friendlier climate than a desert that was on a mountain, which was Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, they sent me to Iraq. Yeah. They sent me to Afghanistan. They've sent me to. Texas. I'm tired of going to shitty places. Benari would don't like, like Jews around Paris. the world. Benari <laughs> yeah. would like us to invade Italy next. <laughs> yeah, go back. Come on, man. Why would you think that Texas doesn't like Jews just because they've got a place called Palestine? All right. <laughs> well, not I'll tell you, Pal- Palestine, I, f- I found Palestinians to be much friendlier to Jews than Texans. So, <laughs> <laughs> duly noted. Duly noted. I it. Uh, by the way, I think we're going to leave it there. I do want to just respond to something Robert George said earlier. You said to give Trump credit on something. I'd like to give him credit on something, but his tab is really big. So. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> There's only so much I can do. Hey.